The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to Matthew. Glory to you, Lord Christ. Six days after Peter had acknowledged Jesus as the Christ, the Son of the living God, Jesus took with him Peter and James and his brother John and led them up a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them, and his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became dazzling white. Suddenly there appeared to them Moses and Elijah talking with him. Then Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, I will make three dwellings here, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, Suddenly a bright cloud overshadowed them, and from the cloud a voice said, This is my Son, the Beloved. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell to the ground and were overcome by fear. But Jesus came and touched them, saying, Get up and do not be afraid. And when they looked up, They saw no one except Jesus himself alone. As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus ordered them, Tell no one about the vision until after the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise Praise to you, Lord Christ. In the name of the Incarnate One and in light of his transfiguration, may we be gathered here in this place together. Amen. Last Sunday, a group gathered here to watch the award-winning documentary, Journey of the Universe. I was not able to come that night, so Jennifer Newbold kindly loaned me her copy, and I watched it this week. The film is beautiful and awe-inspiring. At one point, the narrator described the moment in time, 14 billion years ago, that is often referred to as the Big Bang but that he called the great flaring forth, which he illustrated by lighting a match. Imagine an immense match flaring up to become the heat and energy that in an instant resulted in a 100,000 billion galaxies or more, each full of stars, planets, suns, moons, elements, energies, and mysteries, too vast, to fully see or understand, and yet compelling to the point that we cannot help but try. Imagine that in that great flaring forth, all the elements were created that would be needed to make the universe and Earth and somehow life on Earth possible. Imagine that everything down to the minute atoms that make up you and me were present in that one burst of heat and energy. Something as unfathomably vast as interstellar space and something as small and fragile as the bits that make up us today all happened in the same moment. Magnificent tenderness Powerful vulnerability. That, I think, is a perfect metaphor 
for the Incarnation. All-powerful God and tender, fragile human being all in one package. And that package was and is Christ, Jesus of Nazareth, carpenter, Messiah, rabbi, brother, son of God, son of man, son of Mary, revolutionary, friend, and apparently hiker. Today we heard about one of Jesus' hikes. He took three of his buddies up a tall mountain, and after a dusty, sweaty climb, the friends perhaps stopped to rest and take a swig of water from their goat bladder water bottles. Suddenly, their unpredictable friend and leader, Jesus, started to glow. His clothes, which were most decidedly not very clean after such a hike, became dazzlingly white. His face shone like the sun, a symptom that, by the way, also inflicted Moses some years earlier when he, too, went up a mountain and encountered God. Except Jesus was encountering God on a mountain because Jesus was God on a mountain. The word transfiguration, which is the word used to describe what was happening to Jesus in this sparkly moment, is really quite a lovely word. Trans, to cross over, figure, face, action, action. In this moment, something was happening that made Jesus' face cross over from its human form to its divine form. And you want to know who came to see this happen? Moses, who knew something about faces glowing, and Elijah, who had prophesied about Jesus so many years before. Were they there as witnesses, or friends, or guides, or members of the community of saints, or representatives of the prophets and the law? We don't know. We don't know why they were there. Lots of people have lots of different guesses. We just know that Peter, James, and John saw their friend glowing with two important ancient religious figures. Peter was so excited that he wanted to be involved in some way, so he offered to build a few dwellings for Jesus, Elijah, and Moses. But as he made this offer to do something, he was interrupted by a cloud of light from which we hear that same voice, the same words even, that boomed forth at Jesus' baptism. This is my son, the beloved. With him I am well pleased. Except... This time, the voice added, listen to him. Well, if the glowing act and the appearance of two dead holy men didn't overwhelm Jesus' friends, the talking cloud did. (laughs) They fell on their faces in fear. Now, fear in the English language is a relatively one-dimensional word. It's the fight or flight trigger. The something scary could be happening that might hurt me assumption. I don't think that's the only kind of fear that we're talking about in Jesus' friends during the transfiguration. First of all, fear of God throughout Scripture is referred to as a virtue. God was seen as too big and majestic and powerful and unpredictable to get one's head around. And so faithful people were reverent, awestruck, sometimes overcome, 
And I'm hoping this is true in modern faith as well. The Greek word used to describe the disciples' fear on the mountaintop was ephobethesan. My Greek is awful, so I'm sure my pronunciation is too. But that's where we get the word phobia. Phobia is in there. And that word has been translated both as fearful and as awestruck. I think it's quite possible that the three friends on the mountain were both awestruck and fearful. Something was happening that they couldn't get their heads around. They had no idea what would happen next for them or for their friend Jesus. Just a week prior to this, they had started to talk about the fact that Jesus might actually also be God. It was a weird time for this circle of friends. And so the fear they were feeling as they lay prostrate and trembling on the mountain was likely a very complicated fear. Maybe too complicated for them to handle. And this is where we get to see the tenderness of the incarnation. Even as he glowed divinely and communed with Moses and Elijah, Jesus had his eye and his heart on his earthly companions. He saw their fear. He knew they were overwhelmed. And he came to their side. The show was over. The cloud was gone. And Jesus came down to earth to touch his friends tenderly and speak to them the comforting words that he repeated over and over during his time here on earth. Do not be afraid. Everything's all right. I am here with you. You are safe. Do not be afraid. So tender. Now, when God literally speaks to people, I have to assume that whatever the message is, is really important. So the last bit of direction given from that cloud of light makes us lean forward a bit. Listen to him. Listen to Jesus. Okay, we'll do. And what does Jesus say next that we're supposed to listen to? Do not be afraid. This is the voice. These are the words that God has commanded us to listen to. When we are overwhelmed by the vastness of the universe, the enormity of suffering, the unmanageability of everyday life, the pain of being human, the unpredictability of our situation here on earth, we know that Jesus kneels by our side and tells us not to be afraid. Now that his direct incarnation is over, I believe he often employs creation, us, to the task of kneeling by one another and communicating those words of comfort. Do not be afraid. In the depths of our overwhelm, we may be nudged by a loyal canine, cuddled by an innocent child, soothed by the warm touch of a caregiver, inspired by words on a page, warmed by the sun, buoyed by the smile of a stranger, refreshed by a deep conversation with a friend, a mentor, an elder, or calmed by the steady presence of a fellow traveler here on earth. In these moments, we witness little transfigurations, members of creation, us, crossing over to reflect the love of the Creator. The transfiguration story 
which we get to hear each year at the end of Epiphany and before we walk into Lent, assures us of the unfathomable enormity of divinity and the intimate care that God has for us, demonstrated most profoundly through the life of the Incarnate One, because in that glowing on the top of a mountain, we glimpse the divinity of Jesus. And in Jesus' tenderness with his friends, we glimpse the Christ who came to be with us. We see that we are beloved enough for God to want to be with us. We see that we rest in the hands of mighty love. We see that we can heed the words of Christ that we are commanded to listen to, to not be afraid, even as we are overcome by the mystery of all that is. I do believe that in listening to Jesus' words, in being released from fear, a sense of awe takes over, and we can more fully take part and take in the vast mysteries of a beautiful creation alongside the one who created it and alongside the one who came to be a part of it, to be with us. Amen.